too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you've no yeah. idea what I'm going to say. And, and somebody will have to tell you afterwards. That's right, that's good. <laughs> Lord, I just bless you and thank you for Graham. Thank you that you have given him the anointing and the over this place, over our, your people here. Lord, thank you. You have anointed and equipped him. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that the strength of the Holy Spirit will be so within Graham that, Lord, you'll just pour down upon him. Just pour down upon him with your blessing and your anointing. Because you're a great and a mighty God. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we ask that within each one of us, as we listen to Graham, we'll know it comes from you, as he gives of you, that we'll receive it with the eyes of our heart. The eyes of our heart will understand and outwork that which you give to each one of us, all so different, but all loving you and your children. So Lord, just give us that ability so that we can go out knowing the beauty of your love for us as we listen to Graham. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. How are you all doing? It's not the warmest day in the world, is it? No, yeah, pardon? It's August in England. It's August in England, yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, one, of our, one of our farmer members uh, told me that August is statistically the second wettest month in August, which uh, gives us the, the, the genius of choosing that for the school holidays. Uh, it's fantastic, really. We are feeling for the people who are at the Shrewsbury Folk Festival, which is something we normally go to at this weekend because it's a bit wet, but bless them all. Anyway, there we go. We're going to talk about Esther and why was Esther a hero? And biblically, just so you know, theologically, Esther is not a hero because she laid one on Wonder Woman and got away with it. Okay, just, just in case you haven't read the story in the Bible, I want you to know that Wonder Woman does not actually feature in that. And I have no idea who Jean Dean is. Who's that? I, 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 I have no idea, but um, the idea that the Jewish people would have that much bacon in one day's diet, just um, beggar's belief. So um, it was an interesting video. There is no doubt about that. Fantastic. Anyway, one of the good things about this video is that I hope it gives you a sense, if you haven't read the book of Esther, about how ridiculous the book of Esther is. Now, I don't mean that the book of Esther is ridiculous, and I don't mean that the book of Esther is in any way inaccurate, but one of the things that the book of Esther wants to point out is just how ridiculously corrupt the kingdom of Persia was, and particularly the royal rule in Persia, that it was a, it was a kingdom utterly out of control to the point where it was just utter stupidity. It had got to the point where the king was so elevated, so cosseted, so surrounded by nobody being allowed to speak to him in any way at all, unless he felt like it, that entire nations could be subject to genocide on the whim of a moment. 
That's just how ridiculously corrupt and perverse the kingdom of Persia was. And part of the book of Esther is to point this out. Is to point, and it's sort of, if you like, the climax of pointing out to Jewish people, because the Old Testament was written for Jewish people, about how corrupt the nations outside of Israel actually are. It's actually a story to some extent about the consequence of sinful nature unbridled. And that's where you end up. And one of the things I really like about the book of Esther is how, and I know this is an extreme thing to say, but I can see parallels in the way that this happens with how our society is today. And that, that we are living in a completely corrupt society. And that there is no bridle on this. One of the things that G.K. Chesterton said, and I think it's significant, is this. That the less morality there is in a society, the more legislation you need. Now, did you know that before the millennium, before the year 2000, Britain passed America as the most litigious nation on the planet. We are, in fact, the nation that sues more people, takes more people to court, has more regulation, has more legislation to control human behavior than any other nation. Why is that? Well, because when there is no societal morality, then there has to be law. Ours is a corrupt society where nobody is in any more, there is no belief that people necessarily tell the truth, that people necessarily grade their behavior, that people will necessarily have consideration for other people. Not at all. So it's interesting that we're talking about a hero in a society that has got to the point of mind-blowing, ridiculous behavior through moral corruption. And interestingly enough, we're in a society, I'm suggesting to you, that is very much heading in the same direction. And that's an interesting thing, isn't it, really? So anyway, so Esther has to live in this environment. She's selected as the queen in a breathtakingly ridiculous and moral corrupt way. And then she has to operate as the queen in a breathtakingly and morally corrupt way, where she's got to the point where her entire race, including her, are facing complete genocide. And to do anything about it, she has to stand in a doorway where the king can see her. But here's the thing. If the king decides that he likes what he sees, she's allowed to say something. If, on the other hand, it irritates him, which is a bit like me before coffee in the morning, then she's executed. I mean, I'm, no, I'm really not kidding. This is the deal. It's like, if I kind of like to see your face, you can live and talk. If, on the other hand, I've had a bad night, or the toilet is blocked, you're dead. How fantastic is that? I mean, that is the way to rule a kingdom, isn't it? I mean, that is the kind of personal power that individuals should have. Let's be honest. All right, so, so and actually we think, well, that's un unreasonable. 
Okay, so you ask yourself how many behaviours people have that are extreme and unacceptable, and basically the only reason they're doing it is because they're in a bad mood. I know that's not you, and you've never done that. You've just got your face set in the wrong way, and, and therefore the hurtful stuff comes out. You never do that. I know that. It's only King Xerxes and me that have ever done that. Uh, and, and frankly, we don't know an awful lot about how many times he did it. So really, mostly me um, that you know, gets bad moods. But that's unbelievable that that's the way our politics run. That's the way the politics of, 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 of Persia run, is whether somebody's face is there, whether or not it's going to be catching somebody in a good mood or not. Now, I know we don't live in a society where if certain people uh, are very popular, they will influence how our political movements are, and if things are unpopular, they're roundly ignored. That doesn't happen today in any Western country, does it? Yes, it does. The idea that the ridiculous corruption of Persia is somehow you know, thoroughly detached from where we live now, this is not the case. And therefore, Esther is a hero of our time. She was told she was born for a time such as this, but actually Esther was a hero of our time. And I want to tell you three reasons why I think that Esther was a hero and is a hero for us. The first one is this, that Esther played her part in the whole community. And by that, I mean the community of Jews at the time. That it was her turn to do the difficult thing. And she stuck to it. She did not pass the buck. She didn't say, that's too hard, somebody else. I will just resign from being queen and we'll get another one. She didn't do that. It was her turn to play her part in her community. The thing is, you see, for, for Esther, it must have been a nice idea to be part of God's chosen nation. And, and all the benefits that come from being part of God's chosen nation uh, there are definitely those, God's favor, having God's word, knowing that he is there and able to speak is exciting. But anybody, as we know, in our society and her society, whose head went above the parapet so that the world could see God shining in them was going to be subject to negative attention. And sometimes the time comes for each Christian that it is our place to step up and do what needs to be done within God's church. Esther had to do that, and she did, and she played her part. She didn't just simply make sure that she was all right, even though others we're going to be subject to, to persecution and beyond. And we have a church, you know, we're part of a global church. And did you know that over 90% of all persecution which is based on religion is targeted at Christians? Did you know that there is an agenda within the British media 
never to report that people are persecuted for being Christian. Look on your news stories. Look on it. It is never reported that people are being persecuted for being Christian. Never. There is an agenda not to do that. I wonder why that is. I'm not in favor, in fact, I'm strongly against persecution of any person because of what they believe. But it's interesting that 90% of those who are, are not reported in the British media. And that's an interesting political agenda. But there you go. We can make sure we're all right because currently the law protects us and allows us to express our belief. Is that happening to a more limited degree now than it was 10 years ago? Is that, what is that pattern? Is that likely to happen more in the next 10 years than it is in the last? At what point do we play our part in our community? At what point are we part of our church, our global church, our national church? When the time comes, do we play our part? Do we get to a point where we shy away from associating with those who are getting trouble for what they believe? Do we look after ourselves, make sure we're okay? I think it's a challenge. I think it's a challenge not just for our time now, but I think it's a challenge for the future of the Christian community in Britain and beyond. And Esther is a hero because Esther stood up and played her part. Do you not think that's heroic? I think that's heroic. Is that a little challenging? Mm, yeah, but there you go. That's the thing about heroes. Heroes are challenging because you look at a hero being heroic and you think, whoa, could I do that? That's why heroes are standout, but we need to think about it. Here's the second thing why I think Esther is a hero. Because Esther, you see, stepped out in faith. Esther had no guarantee. In fact, think about how out of control the situation was. I don't know about you. Are you like this? This is me, okay? I am a real, I'm what you call a risk mitigator. Do you know what a risk mitigator is? Okay, that's before I do anything risky. I kind of work really hard to sway the odds in my favor before I do it. Do you know what I mean? If I'm going to make a big decision, and I think, you know, there might be a few, you know, reactions to it, I will go around and talk to a few people that I think might react badly and try and persuade them otherwise. And then I'll go around to a few other people that might support it a bit more publicly and suggest that they might do. And then, having mitigated the risk a little, then you do what you need to do. I'm a risk mitigator. You know, if I'm going to make a big purchase, I will never ever do it on a whim. I have to go and see what's what, you know what I mean, and mitigate the risk. Not everybody does that, but I am a risk mitigator. Here's the heroic thing about Esther. Okay, whether she was a risk mitigator or not, she got no opportunity to do any mitigating whatsoever. There was no way of her knowing or even having any control over what she was going to get as a reaction. None at all. 
except for this, to mitigate the risk, she fasted and prayed. And she didn't fast and pray on her own, but she fasted and prayed within the community of God. And sometimes when we step out in faith, the only risk mitigator we actually have is that. Ladies and gentlemen, is that enough? Is our God sufficient? Yes. Yes. Three people in this entire community think that our God is sufficient. I feel that's a starter. We can build on that. Okay. And, and one of them's Richard, and he's leading, so maybe he feels he has to say yes. I, I don't know. Of course not. Well done, Richard. Yeah. There is the thing that sometimes to step out in faith, we are not going to be able to calculate or in fact do anything behind the scenes that makes it a little less scary than it might have been, which frankly is my preferred route. I don't know about your preferred, but that's my preferred route. Um, and sometimes, if I'm honest with you, I do all of that, and the risk is still looks pretty scary, and so I um, defer it, possibly indefinitely. Have you ever chickened out? Yeah, I know. That, I, trust me. Do you feel good afterwards? But Esther was a hero. And she shows us a way. She shows us a way that she has no earthly way of mitigating the risk, but only prayer and fasting. And she prays and fasts and steps out in faith. She took the chance, even though it was risky. And as the story says, and they are taking artistic license in this, you know, did, did Esther talk to the king and then not say anything and then invite him to a meal and then not say anything and then invite him to a second meal and then finally say something because she was actually bottling it? And given the, the environment, you can understand that she would. But in the end, you see, Esther saw it through. In her faith, she did not come up against her own fear and give up, but kept going. One of the things in the New Testament, that a significant principle from start to finish, and Jesus starts the teaching on it and carries on, is this, perseverance is part of the Christian walk. Why do we need perseverance? Because everything will go well and smoothly. No, you need perseverance because things don't go well and smoothly. And one of the not well and smoothly elements is you. I am a not well and smoothly person. I am able to do all sorts of things not well and not smoothly. Are you like that? I have the ability to introduce unpredictable chaos into completely straightforward situations. Can you do that? It's a skill, honestly, really. I'll tell you what I've found. Tell me if you found this, and it's this. The more I worry, the better skilled I am at introducing unnecessary complications to things. Have you found that? I found out that my skill level increases as I speculate about all the things that could go wrong and the things that I wouldn't like. And in fact, something which does look smooth and straightforward 
becomes complicated and difficult. And it's all my doing. Do you know, skills like that don't come after five minutes. Trust me, they don't. They've got to be worked on. And uh, yes, you are looking at an expert, ladies and gentlemen. If there was a GCSE in this, I would be an A star, or is it a nine? Is it a nine now? See, yeah, you do, trust me, current affairs and everything at the front of this church. So what can I say? He's, she stepped out in faith. Stepping out in faith is not an easy thing. That was a fantastic, heroic thing to do. Here's the last thing why Esther is a hero and a hero of a big nature and someone that we should really take to heart. And it's this, Esther spoke out despite the risk. Esther spoke out despite the risk. So she played her part. When her turn came, she stepped up. That's a big deal. And we have to see Esther as a hero because of that. She stepped out in faith. Even though there was nothing she could do to mitigate the risk, she still stepped out in faith. And that makes her a hero for us. But thirdly, even though it was risky, she spoke out. I want to tell you that in spiritual terms... Satan's biggest agenda for all Christians is to make this happen. That is the biggest element of spiritual war, is whatever you do, shut Christians up. If you can't shut them up, shut them out. And if you can't shut them out, wipe them out. But to be honest, the easiest and most straightforward thing to do is to shut Christians up. How successful do you think that battle's going in Britain? But here's the thing. If we are not going to be shut up, we have to have a plan to speak out. It has to be deliberate. It won't just come. So think of it like this. Okay. So there you are. It's a nice sunny day. It's all free. And you decide that you want to walk up to the top of a hill and see the view. Yeah? Do you need a plan? No, you don't need a plan. Do you need to work out the timings? No. You turn out... You walk up, you get to the top, you think, was that worth it? And then you walk back down again. Yeah? Right. That's because there's no spiritual battle. If, on the other hand, there is a hill and it has a military emplacement on the top of it with a group of hostiles who are mostly looking to improve their career prospects by killing people like you, and you want to walk up to the top of that hill, do you need a plan? Yes, you need a plan. Probably a plan that includes other people helping you. Hey, is that church? 
My goodness, fancy that. So yes, and it is exactly the same. If there is a spiritual battle to keep your mouth shut and you want to be obedient to God and speak out, you need a plan. There has to be deliberate. There's a word, and I don't really like the word, not because I don't like the concept, but just because I don't like the grammar, which is intentional. We have to be intentional. I am looking to speak to this person. I am looking to speak to these people. I have identified people that I would like to tell Jesus about. I am deliberately going to do that. Why am I deliberately going to do that? Because there is a spiritual war, and I need a plan. And if I don't have a plan, then I just get pushed back every time. But Esther had a plan, and that was fantastic. And she had a purpose, and our purpose was this, I need to speak out for my people. Our purpose is that we are witnesses. Jesus says this, you are my witnesses. We have an agenda to speak out on behalf of Jesus. That is our purpose. Why are we called together as church? Why is it that we don't give our lives to Jesus and then instantly die? Because that would, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Give our lives to Jesus, saved, dead. Okay? I, I, for other people, that might be a little distressing, but for you, frankly, that would be a good thing. Think of all the hassle you've, you've saved. Think of all the grief. It's all over, no troubles, whatever. Okay, I know I'm being morbid, but I'm not really. There was a lot of people in the early church who thought this. What's the point of living on? Because now I'm saved, all I'm going to get is grief and hassle for the next however many lives, and, and then I'll die and then it'll be good. So why can't we have a good now? You know, to me, it's sort of, you know, heaven.com. Instant, free postage, fantastic. Why do we not? Why do we not? Why does God not go, praise, praise me? I suppose that's what God says, I suppose. Um, you know, but, you know, fantastic. There's another one in heaven. Bring them in. Why does he leave us with all this grief and hassle? What is our purpose? What is our purpose? Our purpose is this. You are my witnesses. When the witness is in the box and refuses to speak, it is called contempt of court. If the Christian is in the box and refuses to speak, is that contempt for Jesus? But Esther was a hero because even though it was going to cost her her life, she spoke up. That makes her a hero. That makes her a hero today. To be honest with you, the worst that I can expect is a funny look or a sarcastic comment. Is that enough to shut me up? Sadly, I've got to tell you, on occasions it has been. I'm a bit disappointed to tell you that, but I'm telling you the truth. Sadly, on occasions it has been. That's not really, I'm not satisfied with that. I need to be more like a hero. I need to be more like 
Esther. I need to be able to do that because it is my purpose. If I can't do that, I may as well go to heaven now because that's my purpose and that's our purpose. Now we know, and I'm not leaving you isolated here or me, we are designed to do this together. Christians are great together. We hunt better in packs, ladies and gentlemen. We're good like that. It's cause God designed it. Did Jesus say, I will build my church so that every individual Christian could operate on their own? No, he didn't. Guess what? There's a purpose. So there is it. That's why Esther is a hero. I've run on a little too long. I got a bit too excited. I do beg your pardon. But it is. Are you being called to play a role in this church community? This church community not just being this church, but it might be, but the wider church community. Are you being called? Is it your time? Is it time for you? Is it time for me to play our part? Are you being called to step out in faith? Is it possible even faith that you can't risk mitigate, but you just have to pray and fast? Do you have people that will pray and fast with you? Can you call them around? I can suggest a few around here. They're very good at it. They look after me brilliantly, can I just say, and thank you. But do you need to do that? And there is no way of mitigating. You are just going to have to step out in faith. Is that the time? And will you speak out despite the risk? Will you speak out despite the risk? My belief is that God lines up by his Holy Spirit people for us to witness to. If we don't witness to them, I don't believe God leaves them abandoned. He will line somebody else up because he is gracious and generous and had his purposes. But the trouble for us, including me, is that's my purpose. My purpose is to be a witness. Sometimes that's to act. Sometimes it's to speak. Usually it's both, it's to act and speak. There's the question. Can we be heroes like Esther was a hero? Can we be that? Can you be that? I think it's something that we can learn, that we can grow, that we can be heroes for Jesus in this present ridiculously corrupt age where there needs to be voices, voices of reason, voices of compassion, voices of hope, voices of change, voices of salvation, voices that come from heaven itself. We can be that. We can be those heroes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, just want to thank you. I want to thank you that at the risk of your life and at the cost of your life, you saved me. I want to thank you that at the risk and the cost of everything, you redeemed me into heaven. And your promise is that you will never leave me or forsake me, but that in fact you have called me, called me for a time such as this. You have called us for a time such as this. You have built your church for a time such as this. Lord, just make us the heroes we need to be. 
Give us the faith we need. Give us the boldness we need. Give us the sense of purpose that we need to be heroes like Esther. We just pray in Jesus' name. Amen.